Hey everyone, thank you for listening to Reformed Eve. So today I'm going to talk about God's opinion on the Marshmallow Dough Girl. You're going to find out why or who the Marshmallow Dough Girl is. You probably already know, but let's continue. First of all, I hope you're having an amazing day. Um, Something that I know we kind of suffer from is like low self-esteem and In this day and age, it's hard to not have a low self-esteem. I wanted to share with you kind of like my journey in the realm of having a low self-esteem and the realizations that I came to eventually being someone who always suffered from having a low self-esteem. I have low self-esteem. I have hated my body. I have hated the texture of my hair. I hated that I was not well endowed. I hated how thick my arms were or how short I am. I'm making myself out to look like a regular Shrek, maybe Fiona. (laughs) And maybe that's how I see myself in the mirror, but I'll tell you what the world told me and the Maleficent spirits, but I will also tell you what God told me. So welcome to the Marshmallow Dough Girl Chronicles. Once upon a time, my mother told me that, around when I was 8 or 10 years old, that someday I will have a huge chest, (laughs) I'll be well endowed, and it will hide my stomach. I remember looking down at my stomach thinking, is something wrong with me? For my birthday, my father once gave me a vintage tin can full of mints for my birthday. And I really liked it because it was like a, kind of like a Santa Claus vintage. And inside, like I said, it was full of peppermints. And one day I went to get a peppermint only to realize that the mints were gone. My father had informed me that he removed the mints because I was too fat to deserve those. Sometimes he would buy pastries and set them on the table and point to me in a warning manner. You're too fat. You can't have any. I remember a boy in my fifth grade class pulling out the chair for me and I believed he was being a gentleman. I remember feeling particularly self-conscious that day because I felt like a huge marshmallow. My mother had dressed me in a white, thick jogging suit on a hot summer day. After I went to sit down, the boy pulled the chair from under me. I fell in front of everybody in the classroom and he pointed and laughed. Look, it's the Pillsbury Dough Girl. Everybody laughed. I remember laughing too, but inside I was in tears and wished truly that I could disappear forever. My mom used to force me to wear makeup even from preschool. She always painted a fake beauty mark on the left side of my cheek to make me more attractive because she mentioned I was homely. She would force me to rip my own pictures up from school if I smiled in a way that was unattractive. If I failed to wear makeup, 
Even as an adult, she asked me, Why don't you wear makeup? You look sick. Are you sick? You look pale. Put some lipstick on before you leave the house. When I was young, until I was 17 years old, my brother was allowed to torment me. He physically abused me and he would hit me so hard that I saw stars. Once I accidentally picked up the phone while he was downloading a song from Jurassic Park. You know the scene in Jurassic Park where they first see the brontosaurus? That song. And you know back then, the phone was connected to the internet. So if you picked up the phone, you disconnected the internet. Well, he became excruciatingly angry, grabbed the phone from my hand, and began beating me with it. He created a hole in my face where one of my bottom teeth actually cut through my skin and it bled. And there was even some like some of the fat from underneath the skin that had come out. That's how hard he hit me. During one episode like this, I called the police and my mom answered the door and told the police that I was just crazy and had mental problems and sent them away. I felt really hopeless. I did. My brother told me that he hated fat people and that his wish was to see me six feet under, dead, and he would applaud at my funeral. He would come to my room to lay down, hands crossed casually behind his head, comfortably to stare at me. He would say, Did you know you're fat? Why do you stink? Did you know you're ugly? He would tell me these things. If I ignored him, it was hell for me. He would commence to cut the tips of any plants I was growing in my little garden in my room. He would cut my clothes into shreds. He picked up the only radio I had and threw it on the ground, destroying it. He would remove the fan pool from my ceiling pan. Fan. He created a huge hole in my door. When I closed it one day, he shoved his knee right through it. He said he wanted to torment me because I was fat, and he hates fat people. Then came my story of the mental self-immolation in the mango milkshake. As I grew up, the dating world was a huge mess, and it was not any more forgiving than my childhood. It didn't help that I didn't follow God's word, and I was a worldly mess myself. I had the seed of God planted in my mind and heart, but I was also in that terrible stage of discovering identity and of rebellion, and it's a world where the demons know that you're vulnerable, especially if you feel broken about yourself. I remember a young military man who wanted to watch a movie at his place. His place, however, was the barracks on the military base. I noticed there was only a bed and a television, and I immediately got tense. Before this, he bought a milkshake for me at the gas station. I was very happy because it was mango flavored and really delicious and I felt it was really kind of him to buy me this treat. But at the barracks, back in his room, he wanted to drink alcohol and wanted me to watch a movie that had excessive nudity. Then he wanted me to do something I'm not comfortable with. When I said no, I walked out. Later, he texted me, with this, he wrote, 
I don't even like fat chicks. I shouldn't have bought you that milkshake. You definitely didn't need it. So this kept happening in my dating life over and over again. A police officer once invited me out to go on a date. I refused. And he was very obvious and blatant about what his true intentions were. When I refused again and I texted that I'm going home, he messaged me and said, I'm confused. Fat chicks always say yes. This happened to me so many times, but I'll leave you with these two as an example of what my dating life was like. I would ask myself, why am I alive if I'm a mistake? I tried to cover my ugliness and my fatness with tattoos. I almost became addicted to pain and to the coverage that tattoos offered. I only started to wear sleeveless tops and expose my arms when I received my first tattoo. I hated the shape of my arms and I wanted to decorate them to hide. I wanted to hide myself. I wanted to hide my hate, my self-shame, my years of suffering and even my will to pass away from this earth. By this point, I had been used, abused and discarded like a tissue in a wastebasket. I even received a lip ring to feel like I belonged to the world as I felt I did not even belong to myself and much less to God. I felt lost, destroyed and ugly, inside and out. Mistake after mistake, I felt that I wanted to match my life to what I felt inside, to what I truly was, a mistake. My dad mentioned once that I was a mistake. He mentioned that the only reason he married my mom was because she became pregnant with me and he had an obligation. I was a mistake. I was ugly. I was never well endowed. My mom told me that someday I would be well endowed enough to hide my ugly stomach. I was an abomination to the world, yet I was alive. My ex-husband, the father of my two children, told me that I was too ugly to be attractive to him anymore, which is why he turned to pornography and became addicted to it. I was ugly. Why am I here and why was I alive? In 2007, I heard a song called Voice of Truth by Casting Crowns. The song talks about evil voices telling you untruths about yourself. But then it goes on to say how God's word tells you a different story about yourself and that God tells you not to be afraid even when the waves of life get out of control. I cannot tell you how much hope that thread of life gave me. I felt that hope was a silver, shimmery spider silk that connected me to the heavens and delivered me from the self-delivery to hell. The voices of my mother, father, my ex-husband, my brother, and all those men echoed nonstop in my mind. How could I reach out to God? And how could I find a tiny light of happiness in this immense darkness? That song changed my life and breathed new life into me. That song, The Voice of Truth, saved my life. I discovered that you are God's masterpiece in this dark world. 
You are God's beauty. You are God's masterpiece. You were made in God's image. He knows how many hairs are on your head, and that's how interested he is in you. You were hand-carved, hand-formed, carefully, and with great, great love. Love by God. He gave you lips so that the words you speak may be of life. He gave you eyes to experience the sunsets and sunrises that he created, living artworks of moving paint upon a God canvas. He gave you hands to help those who need you, to create a difference in this world and in the lives of others. He gave you a face so unique and beautiful, and a face like that is unlike the 7 billion people that inhabit the earth. A face so completely different and a face that reflects God's unique creation. Your face reflects God's love without shame in this dark, dark world. It's hard to say this, I know, and it's hard to believe it, right? Because we compare ourselves to the beauty we're forced to see upon media, television, advertisements, magazines, Instagram. These things are made to separate us from God. These things are created so that we may feel alone, ugly, and unrepairable. The goal of the devil is to get as many people away from God as possible. If he's been tormenting you with feelings of ugliness, self-hate, and self-esteem issues, it's because you are a threat to him, the devil. If you actually discovered your true self, you'd be a shining beacon in the world that needs more radiant souls. And the devil knows this. Take comfort in that the devil has an expiration date. The Bible says this, and God has already won that war. The devil wants to take you away with him and it starts with a small seed of doubt and self-hate. It starts with that perfect image of a photoshopped person on Instagram that inspires thoughts like, I wish I looked like her. These images and idols of beauty will be forgotten. They are empty vessels, much like an adorned, gold-addled fruit tray filled with rotting fruit, or filled with nothing, offering nothing to nobody, just fruit flies, or emptiness at best. But let your life show your beautiful heart. God will work wonders with you within you and this beauty will radiate outward because it's true beauty that comes from the heart god works from the inside of your being and this reflects on the outside in a way that you may not be able to see but others will feel it it becomes a presence of hope and strength which will also give others the will to live when god's will is allowed to work within you your character will reflect god's craftsmanship And the impact of your true beauty will be forever remembered by those you positively affected and lovingly touched. Where can we find more about beauty in the Bible? This is important, and I'll share some scriptures here, but part of spiritual growth is taking this information, opening up the Bible, and soaking in the Word. Ephesians 2.20 says that we are all a masterpiece of God. Proverbs 21.25 mentions that a woman who is clothed with dignity and strength can enjoy life. Isaiah 62.3 says that you are a crown of splendor in God's hand. 
and a royal gem to him, a gem that adorns God. Proverbs 31.26 says that when a woman opens her mouth, she speaks wisdom and that kindness is forever on her tongue, and this makes her attractive. Psalm 34.5 says that those who look upon God are immediately radiant and that they will never feel or be ashamed. Psalms 139.13-14 thanks God for making all the delicate parts of the body even all the inner parts we don't usually give thanks for. The psalm thanks God for knitting us so carefully and lovingly in our mother's womb and for making us so complex. Psalm 46.5 mentions that if God is within the woman, she will never fall and that God will be there to help her. 1 Peter 2.29 reminds us that we are a chosen generation a special people that call marvelous light into darkness. 1 Samuel 16:17 is especially encouraging as it mentions that God told Samuel to not consider someone's height or stature. He reminded Samuel not to look with the eyes of a regular man as a man sees the outward appearance. By stark contrast, God looks at the heart. Proverbs 31:10 reminds us that a woman whose heart is beautiful is worth more than rubies. Genesis 1.27 reminds you that you were made in the image of God. You. Psalm 144 is wonderful because it's a song to God from David in the Bible. He mentions that God will deliver us from those who tell lies and those who are deceitful. He says that God, our God, considers us children that are like plants that are well nurtured and the daughters of God adorn palaces like carved pillars. Remember that outward beauty and charm can be deceptive. The Bible warns men a lot about women who can lie, deceit, and trick you with their beauty. That means that God is aware of how many beautiful women can use this outward power to cause downfall of great men. King Solomon would attach himself with beautiful women who worshipped false gods. Samson, because Samson became blinded by the beauty of Delilah. Proverbs 5.3 says that the lips of a woman that is considered forbidden drips honey, and that her words are smoother than oil. There are many examples of this in the Bible, and usually the women who were harlots, prostitutes, or women of a dark nature were beautiful, but they drew people away from God. Even in today's image of skewed, photoshopped beauty, we see how men and women are led away from God and into temptation. It gets to the point where reality itself isn't satisfying, because the images seem more real and more beautiful than life itself. And this temptation turns to an insatiable lust. And this lust turns into addictions that can lead to terrible acts that drive a canyon between us and God. What makes a woman beautiful in the eyes of God? We can go to Proverbs 31 to see what kind of woman or wife makes a beautiful, noble person who's attractive. Her worth, as mentioned earlier, is worth more than any ruby. She is someone that can someone can confide in. 
She's full of value. She's someone who brings good to those around her all the days of her life and avoids doing harm. She works eagerly with her hands and uses a special skill set to create new things. She likes to learn new things, discover, and bring about a wealth of knowledge. She knows how to obtain food for her family or how to plant and harvest and keep food bountiful within the home. In other words, she is resourceful with food and has a plan on how to feed her family and is therefore responsible and mature. She provides for her family even late at night when it's dark. She's there for them, dependable and comforting, and even gives to those who are needy and not part of the immediate family. She's smart and careful when making big purchases. She has savings and isn't careless with the money, spending it on frivolous things. She saves for special projects and things that can benefit her family or the community. A beautiful woman of God has arms that are strong. She works vigorously and she keeps active. She uses her physical strength to help others. She is knowledgeable about money and helps with the family's finances. And her lamp, her light, does not go out just because it's night outside. She can be trusted. She is prudent. She can use certain tools with her hands in a correct way to create new, beautiful, and interesting things. She is generous and helps those who are in great need. She is not selfish at all, but loving and giving and completely selfless. She takes pleasure in helping others. She protects her family from the elements, and she is calm when everyone else is anxious and afraid. She provides sufficient clothing for the family to make sure that they are weather-ready. She makes sure that everyone has a place to sleep and that her home is a reflection of her inner self and even decorated with nice colors. She wears things that speak of her respectful nature. The Bible mentions that she wears purple, and at that time, purple was a color fit for royalty and a color a queen would wear. In other words, she wouldn't wear something that a streetwalker or a woman of the night would wear. Purple was a very expensive color to make, so woman of God, you are worthy of dressing in a way that reflects your inner respectable beauty. Interestingly, 1 Timothy 2.9 and 1 Peter 3.3 both talk about how women should dress and decorate themselves in a way that is respectable, modest, and shows self-control. They don't have to wear the finest pearls or the best gold or severely expensive things or have outlandish hairstyles to be beautiful or worthy of love. Peter even goes on to say that your true beauty or adorning are hidden within your heart and that this beauty breathes a gentle spirit that is precious in the eyes of God. Isaiah 61.10 mentions that God has and will clothe you with the clothes of salvation and righteousness. A beautiful woman of honor wears dignity and strength, and therefore has a laugh and a smile that brings her happiness. When she speaks, it's wisdom. Her tongue shares faithful instructions to those who will listen. She's not lazy, and she watches over all the events of her household. Even though we may not be all of these things this very second, they are good things to work towards. It's good to learn more things. It's good to pick up a few hobbies, learn some new skills. It's good to wear modest clothing that's flattering and shows respect for yourself. We learn in these passages that God breathes a gentle, quiet spirit into your being. And this is what makes you precious in his eyes. 
He's not interested in how expensive your makeup is, how many followers you have. He's not even interested in your best selfie or even in your less flattering angles. He's interested in you, your heart, what beautiful things your hand can do, and what marvelous things your mind can achieve in this world in his name. Empty outward vanity and beauty has a terrible price. What does God think about women who are beautiful empty vessels just vying to get attention and trying to lure men and women into temptation and self-hate? Isaiah 3, 16-24 mentions that women that are haughty, self-righteous, walking with necks stretched out, glancing maliciously with their eyes, flirtingly swaying their hips, ornaments jingling loudly on their ankles to get attention, they'll be punished. This is what the Bible says about these kinds of women. It says this, The Lord then will bring sores on the heads of the women of Zion. The Lord will make their scalps bald. It goes on to say that God will take away all that's considered finery. This includes the excessive bracelets, headbands, necklaces, earrings, veils, sashes, perfumes, charms, rings, nose rings, cloaks, capes, mirrors, purses, tiaras, and shawls. God goes to say the following. Instead of fragrance, there will be a stench. Instead of a sash, a binding chain or rope. Instead of a head of beautiful hair, there will be baldness. Instead of fine clothing, there will be only sackcloth. And instead of beauty, there will be branding. Beauty is fleeting, but God's love is forever. Let's turn our focus on inner beauty, as this is what God sees. And this is what he cares about. How are you using your inner beauty to influence the world? How are you using your inner beauty to reflect God's love to the world? And how are you using that inner beauty to make a difference in your family, friends, and community around you? Psalm 31 ends beautifully with this. Many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Honor her for all that her hands have done, and let her works bring her praise at the city gate. Yes, beauty fades, but a woman who loves God is worth more than rubies. What will your hands do from this day on? What you have done in the past, what I have done, and who we were is gone. The old is new, and if you pray this to God, you will be a new creation. Dear Lord, I have made many mistakes in my life. I ask you for forgiveness. I want to be a new creation and I want to be more like Jesus. Please help me to be someone new, to be someone who loves myself and to recognize myself as royalty. Please let me see that I am a princess of the King of Kings and that I am beautiful. Thank you for your blessings and please forgive my past. I am ready ready to be a new creation. I say these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.